You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from your semi-occluded vocal tract, have you practiced today? Well, Sarah, we don't really say hello. I say hello sometimes. Well, do we? Okay. Hello. hello. I'm going to start saying hello every time. Hello. 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 Vocal fam, we changed the opening. Aggressive hello. <laughs> we, what just happened? <laughs> we, 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 went, we went off brand. Sarah, what just happened? I don't know. <laughs> I'm so tired. Sarah, Sarah is dead. In with my son in the depths of Sound of Music rehearsal right now, I'm everybody. So tired. They are in Tech Week of Sound of Music right now here at New Stage Theater in Jackson. And like everybody that's in it, either is a child that has school during the day or works, or in addition to doing this. And so tech, nothing can start until like five thirty. Because like regional professional theater goes, they brought in a captain and a Maria, and everybody and else everybody is a local else artist. Is just around here, <laughs> and so needless say we go fairly late but then the rest of my life still happens at its normal times and i am tired friends yeah, <laughs> yeah. anyway uh anyway we ha- vocal fam we have a lovely guest with us yes um a fellow nats national board member with me uh right now and um honestly i think one of our leading contemporary voice specialists uh, and we're going to hear a lot about her new book and, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, Noelle Smith, welcome welcome to Vocal Fry. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We are excited you are here. As soon as I, I saw you, you put up that your book was coming out, I was like, ah, well, we'll have to have her on Vocal Fry. This is a great yeah. excuse to have you on Vocal Fry. <laughs> and speaking of you being on this time, Sarah and I are talking about, we apparently in six years of this podcast, despite the fact that we've talked about belting many times on this podcast, we've never done a belting episode. Belting centric. So I'm going to need to have you back for our belting panel in the spring. Oh, fun. Fun. I was actually thinking about that this morning. I was like, oh, we got it. Like, we really, because we keep saying it and then we haven't like planned it. And I'm like, we got to, I don't know. I guess over the break, we got to. But I figure, you know, if we have Noelle, have Sarah Wigley back on. Yes. Yes. You know, and I had talked about Amanda. Flynn being on the podcast anyway, so um, we should we should get her to what and, a and crew. Uh, it'll it'll be it'll be great anyway. Good so Noel, um, yes. welcome to welcome to Vocal Fry. And I mean, you know, I, I one of the joys of doing this show is that I love it when um, we get to meet new people. And honestly, I don't know you that well, so I'm kind of excited for this morning because I love it when I get to meet folks and kind of learn about their journey. So it's literally every week on here for me. I'm like, <laughs> oh hi. Well, not anymore. Some people I know, but mostly, hello, new people. At this right. point, there are people that you know. Yes, yes, but a lot of it's new. I mean, anyway. So, Noel, tell us a little bit about your journey. Like, where, where you know, how what, did you come right, come up a singer? Were you singing since you were four? Were you, you know, did you come to singing late? What, tell us about your singing journey. Yeah, um, I came to singing when I was super young and sang in church choirs and played piano. I took piano since I was uh, probably six years old. Uh-huh. Formal voice, we weren't allowed to start um, until we were 14. Very, much our, very much our generation, yes. Yep, that generation. Um, I applied to one school only, and that was Boston Conservatory, because I thought it was really cool. 
and from, I wanted to go there. From Much, the Northeast originally? Yeah, yeah, from Rhode Island. Grew up yeah. in a small Rhode Island fishing village. That's um, adorable. My, I know. My grandfather was a fisherman, and Amazing. he brought up a family of four kids on the ocean, right? They had a house, they all went to school, and he could make enough money to back then to support a family on fishing income. Oh and he gosh. was a dragger, so I spent my summers working on the fishing boat and, you know, hauling the fish and selling the fish at the end of the day to the fish markets. And so it was just a really cool... So cool. Um, upbringing but I will tell you I wasn't exposed to a lot of pop music back then so mm -hmm. I studied classical and I got ready and and I think because Rhode Island is it's is a little bit sheltered I um I did want to be a singer wasn't really sure what I wanted to do but I was like I, I want to go to Boston Conservatory and I think my parents were just freaking out and now that I <laughs> prepare students for the top conservatories right. in the country I'm like what yeah. was I thinking <laughs> I think I think my my parents must have been thinking the same thing. I mean, so I, I so my parents uh, they let me apply to Boston Conservatory, of which in my audition I forgot the words to one of my songs. You know, Amazing. and it was "Rejoice Greatly." By the way, there's only five freaking words in that song, but I didn't think they'd pick that one because you know I had five other pieces, and sure. you know I was doing all this stuff. I'm like, they'll never pick that one, and they did, and I started like, singing uh -oh. something like. My mother wears purple boots. Like I was like, oh. <laughs> it's amazing. Fabulous. Right? Also, also how seasonally appropriate as we are in December now. Wow. Right. Like they've so, never heard it before. Right. So I just smiled and had fun, <laughs> and then I left, and my mother's like, oh. <laughs> of course they're like at the door, right, during your audition. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Like, well, well, you're not going there. So she took me to University of Rhode Island where she had a friend <laughs> and made me re-audition there and they said they would take me. But then I did get accepted, shockingly enough, to Boston Conservatory. So that's, hey. um, that's kind of where I started. But um, you, you, Wait, can I ask a quick question about <laughs> yes. growing up in a, in, on fishing boats? Did, have you ever had the chance to sing Mr. Snow and, and, and did it mean something more to you? Yes, yes, it did. Yes, and yes and yes. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. mo moving on. Yeah. So, <laughs> moving on. I um, graduated with voice and piano from Boston Conservatory and did the whole thing that we all do, right? I was a church soloist. I was um, sang with the Tanglewood Festival Chorus, the John Oliver, you know, everything that we all do. All the stuff. Started, mm -hmm. um, started teaching some piano lessons, really, because I was afraid to teach voice. I just felt like I didn't have enough pedagogical training coming out of school. Um, and I was writing songs all this time. I would just write these songs about seagulls and the seashore, <laughs> and the seashore and the sand, and yeah. and and loved doing that, but didn't really know what to do with it. I mean, again, mm -hmm. back then we didn't have business classes. We didn't have all of this stuff. So um, I happened to be asked to sing on a musical theater project again, classical singer, but. Part of me is I always say yes, and then I freak out and get nervous, and then I do it anyway and make myself do it. And <laughs> I, um, I met this producer, and I did sing this new musical for him. And he he was funny. His name is John Weston, and I'm saying his name because he has been my producer now for 20 years. Um, he asked me if I wrote songs, and then he listened to my songs. 
And then he realized I had absolutely no pop training or education. And I had never heard of most of the artists he was, at. you know, he said, oh, you sound like Enya. Great. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> uh, have you heard of, have you heard of the Beatles? No. Um, Bjork? No. Ella Fitzgerald? No. Um, so he liked that. And I said, well, gee, John, do you think I should go to Berkeley and take songwriting and learn how to do it? And he said, no, you bring something so unique to the table. I think you should just do you. And, and so basically he would, That's amazing. Play, mm -hmm. he would play different artists for me and he would, he really schooled me. He was, and, and every time I wrote something, he'd say that, no, well, that was really cool. Take out half the notes. Oh, that was that's that's really good. Yeah, take out half the notes. Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> Why don't you take out half the notes? So, so I was like, oh my god, like, but John, we're gonna end up with just freaking chords. He's like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to pop music. Sorry, sidebar, <laughs> sidebar. Uh, uh, someone who might be related to this podcast was working on a pop audition for a musical theater oh. thing this week. Lulz and asked for some feedback from some people and great. our feedback was now careless <laughs> it is i i very much identify because like i am woefully out of touch with most pop music unless it's something that like is trending on tiktok and even then <laughs> i rarely try and so i'm like doing it and they're like no that's you're way too many words are happening like right. could you give me less and i'm like right. oh, okay yep not caring <laughs> this is so my strong point right right as a type A musical theater singer uh, and, and classical oh. singer, you're so good at that, Sarah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So anyway, um, I recorded an album with John, and um, cool. it ended up in the hands of a Hollywood film scorer who was a friend of a friend. And I basically said, you know, would you be willing to listen to this? I'm trying to get a record deal, and you know, go launch right. my career as an artist. And yeah. um, he's and the film scorer happened to be Brian Tyler, who's actually a mega film scorer. He scored many, 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 many movies that you've heard of. Yeah. Um, and he said, "Well, would you consider singing in movies?" And again, the brilliant Noel said, "No, thank you. I'm trying to get a record deal." <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh! <laughs> Amazing. So, so, John, who John says, you know, how's it going? I go, oh, I met this guy, Brian Tyler, and you know, he asked me to sing in movies. I said no. John's like, could you give me his number? Do you uh, know who he is? And I guess he and I, because I really didn't know who he was, and he's yeah. like scoring films with John Williams and James Horner. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, you know, Noel, if you actually take that job, it will give you a lot of exposure. And you might get a record deal out of it. You're like, well, so, I mean, it's a wonder I'm still word. even in this business, I swear to God. So um, I started singing in movies. Um, I've done probably over 30 movies. Um, my first movie was The Fourth Floor with um, Terry Hatcher, um, The Big Empty, Jane Doe, Children of Dune. Um, I've done. Um, well, actually, during that time, I had to fly to L.A. a bunch, and I was on a flight with some random guy that ended up sitting next to me, and he had one of those Time magazine things open, and I was looking at it, and he said, oh, you know, this is the newest thing, and I said, oh, that's so cool, I'm a singer, and I'm going to L.A., I'm working on this movie, and I said, but 
but you know, I don't really know much about the pop industry. And so he asked me to name the people on the cover of Time Magazine. I couldn't name them <laughs> And one, of, I guess one was John Lennon. No, jeez. One, one was Madonna. Um, and I'm like, mm, nope, mm, no. And so he said. Who are they? No. Well, he says, I'm going to give you my card. My name is Julio Collarbaum, and I'm the producer of MTV. And I said, oh, you know. Good for you. Like, that's nice. <clears throat> Hadn't heard of MTV. So I was like, good <laughs> for you. Letters. Again, it's a wonder I haven't given. This my, my might producer. be the most amazing vocal fry story, Sarah, that we've heard today. <laughs> I love it. I love this it. This is amazing. Just so I, What's me, MTV? I don't know. I don't know. So I got off the flight and he asked me for my album. He's like, do you have a copy of this album? I said, yeah. So I gave him one and he got off the flight and, uh, I called John and I go, I met some weird guy on the plane and he was asking me all these questions. He gave me his card. He's like, Noel, just tell me who the guy was, you know, Julio Collarbomb, blah, blah, blah. He goes, he's the producer of MTV. He's a real and guy. He's not some creep. I'm like, well, like, he said he wanted he my album, you know, the whole thing. So anyway, <laughs> Julio tracked me down at my hotel and wanted to have a meeting after he heard my album because he thought it was so fresh and different and not your standard this is amazing what? this is this is amazing this I feel whole like story is, is remarkable like a movie I this is amazing right right so anyway um so i i met with julio and he he really liked my writing and he liked my approach and he said if i ever needed his help just to reach out and and i'm still like I've never seen MTV. So I, <laughs> I still wasn't getting the fact that he could probably help me. And I really didn't take advantage of it because, you know, I'm one track, you know, I, nope, record deal. <laughs> now I'm singing in movies, you know, whoever. And, nope, um, but he, 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 um, when I got back to Boston, Julio sent me the Beatles album so that I could listen. Like, Amazing. I think they put out one of those big box members. sets. Yeah. yeah, he sent me the okay. box set so I could do some listening. Back in the day, Vocal Fam, for those of you who are younger than millennial or so, <laughs> older millennial, box sets were large collections of albums that had been put together of a certain artist's oeuvre. Anyway. Yeah. So, and he said the next time he met me, he expected me to be able to name all the Beatles. And it's been this ongoing just, joke. Just the members, not not the songs, just the members. Oh, the members, yeah. And I always screw it up. And please, please do not ask me because John makes me answer this question all the time. And I, I can't, I get three out of four usually. Oh my gosh, I was about to say, like, I think I could name three of them for you. But I know there's another one, and I couldn't like name it. Okay. I could name Having three. grown up a huge Beatles fan. I mean, I like their music. And a monster Zeppelin fan. I am, like, so mystified by this whole couldn't conversation. Name because I came, in a way, Zeppelin. I came to classical music later. And, like, pop, popular music was definitely my... I played in bands. I did the whole thing. And so, like, I like wow, this is this is remarkable. No, I, yeah. I very much identify with this. Thank like, you. I feel Thank your you. pain. I feel your pain. Thank you. You should go look up who all the members are because... I probably should. Like, I guess that's probably like... I struggle, man. I struggle. So, I have a, I have a quick Beatles story. Um... Right when Paul McCartney had had his final, well, his last divorce, I was in New York at the time, and it was back when Padelson's was still open, 
Um, and I was wa- walking, and he came out of the Russian tea room with his new girlfriend. It's the only time I've ever met Paul McCartney, so I just said hi. <laughs> <laughs> I like the nostalgia. It's the only time I, I mean, met Paul. Paul McCartney. used to just walk around the Upper West Side like it, you know, without an entourage, without what. Of course, these are all the days before social media, too, and right, you know, right. whatever. And 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 you know, but but yeah, that was my, that's my only uh, interaction with any Beatle. That's more. Than I was. Time. I met somebody in an elevator. I was rec- doing a recording session, and I. He looked like he was famous, you know, you can <laughs> You're like, you gotta be. And he had like those really big lips. Who's the guy with the really big lips? Is it? St- Steven Tyler? Yes! That's who I met. <laughs> That's who I met. Very cool. Sarah, who is Steven Tyler? I know who Steven Tyler oh, is. Okay, all right. I don't, you realize, yeah. <laughs> you realize you're asking me, like, I just, this is what, I mean, we'll come around to this, but um, when I told my producer that I was the commercial music coordinator, he's like dying. He, he just, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, do they even know there. where you came from? <laughs> this is amazing. This whole, this whole, amazing. this whole, this has been wow. Okay, keep going. I'm, okay. I, I'm, I'm just. It's like I'm watching a Hallmark movie, but it's someone's <laughs> real life, and I love it. I love Hallmark movies. There's no small. Well, there was a small town. There was there even was. a small town. That's what I'm saying. A fishing town. village. She Island goes out. Village. She doesn't know these people, and people are like, "But I'm the producer of MTV." Right. Amazing, amazing. What's MTV? This is amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> so anyway, um, things progressed. My album did pretty well. I ended up getting signed to two producers in LA, and John still worked with me. Thank goodness because he kept me, you know, with all my pop lingo. Yeah. And um, yeah. and I worked with producers who worked with Madonna and Enya, and we were trying to create kind of a contemporary Enya. So I, I loved Enya's work. Love it. But Enya. I was a little more electronic, and so kind cool. of that combination. So I was super lucky, and that album did, did really well. Um, through that, I was asked to do a co-writing session with um, somebody <laughs> somebody called Bob Braylove, and my entertainment lawyer set up the meeting, and he set it up because I had never heard of, who I referred to as, the Gratefully Dead. And my <laughs> Bob Braylove was a kid. This is the greatest story ever. The Gratefully Dead. So my, he wanted me to write with, <laughs> It, it sounds like what Sarah's dad would call them. He's really bad at names. Yeah, He's right. Really amazing. bad at names. Well, I never heard of them. So my attorney said Bob Braylove uh, wanted to do some co-writing with new artists. And he didn't want to work with artists that were fans, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. they don't. Sure. That's, yeah, I get it. not cool. And so my lawyer said, well, I think I have a really good songwriter for you because she's clueless. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, we um, he called Bob and said, "I have this this girl who would love to write." And and so the first I flew to San Francisco and I met him and I I did call. I I said, "I've never heard of the Gratefully Dead," and he was like, "Well, it's the Grateful Dead." And here's my house overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge, and he was part of that group with. Um, not Cherry Garcia. Who's that guy? Jerry. Jer- Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, man, Cherry Garcia would be a great name. 
That's the ice cream flavor, folks. That is literally the Ben and Jerry's Jerry's ice cream flavor named after Grateful Dead founder Jerry Garcia. Are you for real? I spent my whole life thinking Garcia was a kind of cherry. If this I'm is totally amazing, folks. This is this episode. I feel I feel like music. timelines are converging. <laughs> I feel like Noel Smith might as well be Donna Noble, and this is like I, I, this is like this, Sarah. This is our this is our uh, stolen Earth moment. Like, I th- like this it. is what. Oh my gosh. Okay, keep going. Okay, so yeah. Okay, so I met with Bob, and um, he. He, we wrote three or four songs together. He, um, we, we got a lot of work done. I went out there two or three times. Um, nothing ever really came of the songs. Um, there were some lifestyle differences, um, substance differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That would do it. Yeah. And so, so I, I liked, um, I liked my songs. When I left, I'm like, these songs are great. And then my producer was like, hmm, I'm not really feeling these songs. So, but it was an amazing experience and we're still in touch, but it was an amazing experience to get, um, I learned all about the Grateful Dead and how they had these caravans and people would follow them. And he took me through- was Burning Man was. before Burning Man. <laughs> it was just cool. It was, yeah. it was great. So I learned uh, so much. So in the meantime, I'm still doing my movies, composers, that follow these things, um, heard my vocals in some of these movies, and then called my producer, John, <clears throat> and asked if I would sing in video games. Now, that was the time where video games were just coming into... What they are now. Yeah. What they are now, right? So they were... It was a lucrative business. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm getting paid more, and they featured my song. I sang in obscure the video game and then my song evergreen was picked up for that thing that uh video game okay i've never actually played any of these but um you know it's a great i ended up singing backing vocals ace combat i worked with a japanese composer and i composed the um theme song um sang the theme song um, that led to singing on a TV show that was popular in Japan with a, a famous composer Amazing. Um, called Rinjo, the TV show, Tag Tekken Tag Tournament. Um, and so then I ended up singing it. My latest stuff was I did work with Mark Isham um, and Brian Tranzo, which is BT. He's a big electronic um, artist. He actually pioneered a lot of electronic music. And I sang on Amazon hit TV series Electric Dreams, and I did, I did the uh, shut up broke him. Yeah, I just did the. Well, I, mean, I would say I just did this. Let's just talk pre-pandemic, right? I sure. freaking loved Electric Dreams. Really? Some so, of the best modern sci-fi storytelling. That uh, oh my gosh! Yeah. So I was on the episode called Auto Fuck, Auto Fuck. Yes. With Janelle Monet, who's incredible. So every I have to go time, back and watch this tonight. Yeah. <laughs> he every has time, plans now. He has plans. <laughs> every time Janelle comes oh on gosh. screen, I was the voice behind her, right? So it was like ah, 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 ah. Are you pulling it? Oh my 
Gosh. And then I sang the ending credit theme song for that episode, which is beautiful. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Markisham is friggin' genius. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm now I'm in now I'm now I'm fangirling. I was about to say you're you're fangirling <laughs> right now. Oh my you could not gosh. collaborate if she was looking for someone who wasn't Sarah, fan. Sarah, we've talked about this this show on the podcast. I'm really? sure we when, have. I haven't when, I haven't watched when, it. When but. when Mandy and I binged it, um <laughs> right. uh, it was during the pandemic mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. um uh, they're all Philip K. Dick short stories. Yes. Incredible, uh, incredible. And I think like, I did the best one, and then, <laughs> in my opinion, I love it. No, it's I a like great it. episode. Yeah, and then they put out BT and uh, Mark put out a soundtrack recording of that, and I am on the soundtrack, which was cool. Oh, I think it was up for a Grammy or something. My, you think it was up for Grammy? You might, whatever, you know. Very nonchalant. Yes, um, yes. That uh, that episode, yes, that episode, and then the episode with Brian Cranston, I think, which is the first pilot of the of the series. Oh yes. my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Wild. So I did that, and then I did uh, another recent, more recent movie with Solace with Anthony Hopkins. And I, I have not seen I that. See that that one's creepy, and I'm definitely. It's probably why I didn't. See if it. worms are anywhere in the scene or death. Or or caskets. That's where I'm singing. Amazing. Uh, that's so, that's rough because I will I will probably not be listening to. Don't that watch then. that. Yeah. yeah, I will say I'm definitely typecast. I do all the horror, not the horror movies, but I do all the all the movies that I've sung in. It's always been, you know, that dramatic high point or something bad is coming around the corner and they uh, need that clean. But great theater. music, right? That like theme, yeah. The, Ah, right, amazing. Like, Boom. <laughs> this is incredible. Amazing. If you ever get like a Halo credit, you're coming back on just to tell us about that. Okay. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> Still working on it. So um, then that led me to um, again John Weston. Um, set, he sets me up on so many sessions. So I'm a session singer. So yeah. I'm always doing new music in the studio. Um, Naturally Seven is um, an acapella group. They've opened for Michael Bublé for years and years. Um, mm-hmm. Seven guys from Atlanta, I think. Um, oh. Amazing singers. And when they record their albums, like the Pentatonics, they do some sweetening, which means um, their voices only go so high. Right. <laughs> so I end up doing some tracks above them when they're putting out their albums. So it's still completely acapella, but I might record the ha 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 you know, some of the effect, vocal. Yeah, yeah, I can sure. go a lot higher, obviously, than they can. And I've done, we've done tracks where we've done a hundred layers in studio of me. Oh, I'm sure, I'm Just sure. layer, 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 yeah. layer. And you become a machine. And and I will say it's it's work. The stuff oh, is work. I'm sure. For, I mean, for the little studio work that I've done, it's work. It is work. It's work. Yeah. And you get to the point where you're like, whew, I think I want to sing a song now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. can, can I have some words? <laughs> I mean, yes, no, I, yes. Yeah, I, yeah so a- I, I do, as a session singer, I, I do that. And then... Uh, and that's, I mean, that's kind of all my recording work. I started feeling like as I'm getting older that I'm annoyed that a lot of uh, singers are asked to do things for free. 
And mm-hmm. so I founded a co-founded with John because he has this crazy recording studio. It's he does orchestras, video games, everything. I found co-founded a recording choir with him. And my intention there was to bring jobs to Boston singers and the highest level singers and they will always be paid and we do projects usually within a day so you come in in the morning and you do a two-hour rehearsal and a three-hour record and you're out the door Um, and so we have auditions for that it's called voxfutura.net is the website and we've done we've done nintendo kirby ads and we've sung on heavy metal tracks for blind guardian where they wanted a huge choir um we sang on that project, um, and then a lot of, cl- bringing me back to classical, a lot of classical compositions with a record label. Very cool. <clears throat> Amazing. So, so I feel like, and now I'm doing vocal producing, which is mm-hmm. um, so exciting. It's, I'm, I'm usually co-vocal producing these choir sessions if I'm not singing in them, and I've produced a couple of singer-songwriters, um, I don't know when this is coming out, but I've got a girl going on The Voice, and she got a four-chair turnaround Yay! Yeah. Yeah, in January. So I'm just kind of excited about, you know, and this, this kind of led me to the book, right? I'm just kind of excited about working and helping new voice teachers because I had no support. So that's how long have like, you, How long have you actually been teaching voice? Uh, probably 25 years. Yes. Yeah. All right. A wicked yeah. long time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. my performance kind of. That's, that's, that's just, you... that's incredible. Um, now I, I saw on your website, like, I mean, it looks like some of your time now, um, is kind of dedicated to raising up these, like, you know, high school, seriously aspiring Broadway singers. Right. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so so my teaching career, and I think, honestly, I think it comes from the diverse background of music that I've had. I'm a good musician, so I, I kind of know what composers want, which means yeah. I probably know what auditions want, mm. right? Mm. And, and my whole way, not my, I'm not going to get into teaching tech, uh, talking technique, but, but I teach a lot by listening and thinking, would I pay you money to hear what you just did? And if I won't, it's my job to fix it. So so if somebody's going in for Sound of Music, well, what role are you going in? How do you relate to this? You know, how, how can we make this a little bit different? How can your audition stand out? I mean, I'm, I'm now working with 38, 40 kids on and off Broadway, and, and they come for help. Like, they yeah. need to land that audition. and. You know, it's always it's always different. So it's it's having good teaching tools and and knowing how to work with all these individual students, but also it's really about the product and how do you get yeah. the students to win? How do they win top level conservatories? How do they get that spot? Mm-hmm. You know, how do they? How are? It, there's so much competition, right? It's just it's just so difficult. And it is competition. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you know, like my student, I, I have a student who I'm actually going to get to see next week. He's on the My Fair Lady national tour right now, and um, uh, you know, one of the reasons I believed in him going out and doing it, he didn't do his degree in, in musical theater or anything. Like he, wow. he was like, he came to me as a 24 year old and was like, "Look, I, I want to do this. Can we make it happen?" And mm-hmm. I was like, I, "I think it's going to be hard, 
But he also came from, he played college basketball, he understood competition, he understood athletics, he mm-hmm. understood drive, dedication, those kind of things, which is a part of, I mean, if you're going to try to do it at that level, like, I mean, you know, he, he understood what training was like. Right. You know? Right. Um, makes and, it and also for us as teachers, having that knowledge of what does it look like? I had a kid in Doubtfire on Broadway and he was... You know going through a voice change yeah. and and then we hit the pandemic so he was cast as Christopher Hillard and mm-hmm. then the pandemic hit Broadway closed so he never opened the show but they kept telling him they'd bring him back bring him back bring him back now he's 13 oh. now he's my in son phase, is 13 yeah, yeah now he's in uh, phase one phase two voice change yeah. um and and to his credit, he practiced every single day, but these notes became harder sure. and harder. And then he actually signed a playbill for me and put the date, like July 13th, he was called back into Broadway to re-audition and he, he, you know, he grew a foot. I mean, his dad played played for the Patriots. You know he's gonna grow, yeah. you know? He's, yeah. He was this tiny kid. And they, to Broadway credit, they brought him back. That's great. He was a little tall. But they brought him back. They brought him back. But but sustaining the workload that he had with a voice change where they weren't changing keys. And you know what? My voice teacher hat was like, no, no, no. They need to bring this down. This is insane. They don't they just don't work like that. It's this is the part. So it's my job not to not to complain and be negative, but find ways that he could do it. And and he did it. You know, he did it. Exactly. And exactly. and he stayed with that show for six months, and then it was closing. But um, that's, that's great. But it's kind of like seeing that end result. You have to see the end result, and then figure out again what product. Mm-hmm. And and how, it's our job to get the sound out of these kids. And it's not just technique. We can all sing beautiful vowels. It's it's the character, it's the lyrics, and it's really the emotional connection to these roles that I think that I've had some success with you know, getting That's right. people in the door. That's right. Um, so tell us about the book. So you've, you just released a book called Teach Voice Make Money, yeah. uh, How Successful Voice Teachers Do Business. Yeah. Um, you know, what was the inspiration of, of writing this? Yeah, so um, I, it's interesting. I did two things before this book. One was I partnered with Chan, Chandler Thompson, and we gave a talk on um, the overtaxed teenager and we presented in Las Vegas at NAS. I, I was there, I remember. And then we presented at the Voice Foundation. And through that talk, I met so many voice teachers who were like, I work with this age group all the time, but like I'm struggling for this, and this is a, this is a problem for me, and I don't know where to find students, and what do you do when parents cancel? And, and, mm-hmm. and then I became a mentor. So, you know, the NATS sit down where you help out mm-hmm. new teachers. And, and they were asking questions you know, do you do you do intake uh, questionnaires before a student comes in, and and how much should I be renting my studio space for, and where could I find my space because I live in an apartment? You know, what's mm-hmm. open to me? So, in the, at the same time, I was traveling to New York every three weeks to teach, and I was taking the train, and I was always on the six a.m. train, and then I would get there around ten. So I would get a coffee and my laptop, and I just started writing this book. Oh, that's and awesome. I thought about every question anyone had asked me. I thought about all the questions that come in through our Facebook groups, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of, sorry for this, but there's a lot of whining going on out there. And Can't and, fathom 
ever <laughs> that ever happening. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, Sarah, you've never heard me complain about anything. Oh, <laughs> neither of us. <clears throat> yeah. So I just kept thinking, I want to write a book that's no frills, no fluff, to the point, as short as possible, and just say, here it is. Go to page five if you want to know where to get a studio space. Oh, page seven, studio policy. Page 20, helicopter parents. Page 25, when something goes wrong. You know, so so I wanted it, it's a short book. I mean, it's, I really thought maybe I would get in trouble because they would say, you know, there's, this is really short <laughs> to be out there. Oh, but it's to um, the point, I like that. But I just kept editing it down and editing, editing it down. And I will say, then I stopped writing for about a year. I'm like, I can't write a book. I don't have any, I have no credentials. What am I doing? Like everybody's really famous that writes books. I have nothing, nothing to offer. And so my husband stepped in and said, well, why don't I take a look at the book and um, help you out? And so he did some editing and he's like, there is a lot here. So you just have to know your audience. So then I, he inspired me to just finish the book, just get it done. And um, my daughter helped me. My son did the graphics. He did the illustrations. Awesome. Oh, cool. So it's kind of this family kind of thing. Dang. And it seems like people really like the book because it's to the point and short. And it's not, it's not academic. It's here's what I did wrong. You know, yeah. I don't think you should drive door to door and do voice lessons because I did it and I showed up on somebody's door and there was a note on the door saying, sorry, we had a doctor's appointment. We yep. forgot about. Um, see you next week. Yeah. I had no mm -hmm. cancellation policy. I had no organizational systems. I had nothing. So so this book is for current teachers who just want to refresh some new ideas, some website ideas, some online lesson ideas. Um, some scheduling ideas with with software that I use and it's for these grad students who just are stepping out the door and they have no idea how to just start and that's yeah. that's where I was and it was so scary so I'm very proud that I made it happen and finished it um, so that's that's you know, you can get it on Amazon and it is and, on Amazon yeah Te teach voice make money Noelle Smith um, and it's not at all expensive either, which is something I uh, love about it. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, so uh, it's not going to break your budget purchasing <laughs> this book, Vocal Fam. Um, uh, and there is a Kindle version as well. Uh, so, yeah, I love a Kindle version. Um, you know, so if you don't actually want to hold a paper book, you can just read it on your Kindle, which is always really nice. You know, you mentioned um, I had completely forgotten that you did that session with Chan in Vegas until you just said that. You know, Chan is an alum of Mississippi College oh and a former goodness. faculty member here on the voice faculty. Oh, wow. Um, here where I work, she was our distinguished alum of the department my first year here, uh, yeah. which was our first time we met. Um, wow. And so uh, uh, we were commiserating about the voice lab that, that we have here through the medical center and the collaboration that we had going and all, all that kind of stuff. And But yeah, she this this is where she went to school. She grew up here in, in Mississippi. Uh, she has, she's world. been, I would say, a huge mentor for me. And when I met her in Boston, we I shared a student with her and I ended up going into observe. Again, you know, observing laryngologists, observing speech language pathologists, um, mm. observing teachers who teach in New York, taking all these workshops, training Estill, training Felden, you know, all this stuff. But Chandler, Chandler's the one that was like, 
let's do this talk. We got this. Well, I don't know if I can do that talk, you know. And then we were in Vegas and friggin' Matt Edwards, who I love, and I've taken his summer seminars. He, we were coffee and conversation, but I went to Matt's coffee and conversation the day before. And it was like going to the 4th of July with all the, with all the bells and whistles and the, you know, the fireworks and the, the screen plays and the music playing. And Chandler and I were like, we were just going to do, hey, this is Chandler, this is Noelle, and we were going to talk. So I leave Matt's talk, which was amazing and always is, and I go to Chandler almost crying. We can't oh, do this. Oh, no. We can't do this talk, Chandler. You should have seen Matt's talk. You know, it was so funny. And she's like, oh, Noelle, it's fine. We're good. We know what we're doing. So, um, you know, it's those network. It's Nat. I'm telling you, it's Nats. The Nats network connection of supportive people. Chandler has been a huge supporter and I of her. Um, and then I met Barbara Wilson Arbolita and she's in Boston and Barbara and I wrote an e-course and that's teaching cool. singing through puberty ages yeah, 10 to 16. And it's like, you just work with people. I just won't say no. I probably should say no at some <laughs> point. But um, I think just staying open and learning from each other and then passing on as much as you possibly know about, you know, to to other teachers and other students. Well, I mean, that's been our, not only through our, our work through Nats, but that's been our, you know, that's been our focus of this podcast. I mean, has just mm -hmm. been trying to get what we feel is reliable, well-sourced information out, in this case, at no cost right. um, to the world. Uh, and, um, you know, we've been doing it now for... God. A while. Yep, six, six. <laughs> Listen, vocal fam. January, middle of January, episode two hundred. Episode two wow. stinking hundred. Bunkers. I have to go to the gym more. That's where um, I listen to all my all of your podcasts. Yeah, um, it's uh, most podcasts kind of do a season or two and die. Um, but uh, can't get rid of us. Can't get rid of us. Um, no, because we learn something every time we listen. Oh, good. <laughs> we do, and we learn that people are real people, and we have fun. That's and, right. And, and then we thing. pick something up. One, that's right. You listen to a podcast. If you pick one thing up, oh, that's great. Right. You're teaching. You're going to be a great teacher. You're just going to yeah. be a great teacher. That's great. We you also know. see all the different paths people have taken to get. Like it's so interesting. Nobody. There is no one path, and that's nope. quite liberating that's right. right that's right um so noelle we always ask everybody i mean you have such a sort of eclectic life i feel like yeah. we've kind of had a pop culture smorgasbord this morning i love it though a little bit scared of not knowing the names of beatles members out of this whole room it's just here, the, but, the one um, there's it's four people right like, yes paul one. mccartney john one. lennon george harrison and ringo Starr. george harrison that was the one i couldn't remember me too <sighs> George, that was the one. It's the George one. I Harrison, always him. Harrison. George Harrison, yes. Yeah. The other three, I could have named them. The, the, just was the rhythm guitarist in my band in high school was a huge George Harrison fan. So I uh, definitely. Uh, so you know him. I, 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 I well, and I was a big Beatles fan. So I definitely uh, could probably tell you. George was the one that became a Hare Krishna and was into that whole, or that whole thing. Wow. Uh, um, yes. Okay. While my guitar gently weeps, all this kind of thing. I could probably even tell you which other songs he wrote. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, we're not going to yeah. go down that path. But, Noel, um, what, uh, out, out of curiosity for you, like, you know, 
what are your other interests outside of your actual things that you sing for? Since you sing for half of the pop, pop culture world, <laughs> right, um, yeah. what other interests do you have outside of singing that bring you joy in your life? Yeah, so I have a white golden retriever oh, and I walk her without headphones, without listening to anything and just like taking walks out in nature. Although I'm not a nature person, like I don't want to camp. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, but me uh, you know, just being out. Um, I love to entertain and cook and I love to get dressed up. Fabulous. So you nice. know, I I mean I've been fortunate. I've gone to a lot of Grammy Awards celebrations and I and I love that because it's, you know, playing dress up for the weekend and, and meeting meeting people and I love to meet people. But yeah, I I like I think I'm kind of a homebody too because I travel a lot. So just cooking and having the kids come back. My kids are out of the house. So just having everyone I mean, we just we just finished Thanksgiving here and it was you know, a lot of people every night, it's like Christmas dinner every single night. Yeah. Um, but it's if you take, it's like if I can take time away from my job and shut it down, then it's a good balance. Sometimes, you know, I'm, you guys are crazy busy. It's hard to kind of do that sometimes, but when I can, um, it's cooking, it's dressing up, it's date night, going out for yeah. dinner. That's right, crazy Tonight's busy. Tonight's date night, so I'm going out for dinner. <gasps> yes. So, sometimes, uh, sometimes it is crazy busy. Sometimes people decide to produce three productions in nine days and realize what a terrible, <laughs> terrible idea it, it was. Right. It was a horrible idea. Um, I, I don't know. That's <laughs> what on you, stupid man. moron That's on did that? You. Yep. Um, but then but your day off is going to feel so good. I finally had it over Thanksgiving. It felt yeah. great. I feel so like great. a completely different person than he I was. He was like a completely different person <laughs> after he had it, too. Yeah. yeah. Just as someone who was around him pre this day off and post this day off, <laughs> leading up to it, I'm, just, I, I don't, I'm not going to be able I can't do it. I can't do it. Like I've oh got to make God. it to the summer. And I was like, the summer? Oh, that's, that's not good because you're not I, in a great spot. And sorry. then a few days later... I'm a new mm. person. I had not had a week off since July of 2021. Oh, yep. And so and it was getting to 2022 right? has been a rough year for me. Just not not that a lot of good things didn't happen. It was a lot of very good things. Sure. It was just I had not had some real time off since before the Delta surge. Just to put that in perspective. Yeah. Like the last time I took a week off was the week before the Delta surge started. Oh my gosh! Um, and and so this Thanksgiving, I kind of took it easy. It was it was it was definitely very necessary, shall we say? Yeah. Good. Um. Uh. By the way, I have a question. You said cooking. I I, I haven't ever really talked much about my cooking on this show, Sarah. What do you like to cook? What's your favorite dish? Yeah. Um. Actually, I love to make my own pies and my own pie. Yeah. Crust. Cool. So I do that, and. I find these crazy recipes. I'm not one of those cooks who's like, mm, I'm going to make this today. I have five cookbooks and go, oh, page seven. I really like that recipe. So Maybe. I'm that kind of a cook. I'm not a natural. Got it. Um, but I, I, there's a sweet potato you bake and you put turkey in it and spices yes, in it. Yes, delicious. I like, I just like cooking, but I'm not a cook cook chef. See, I'm the I, I treat cooking very much like I treat voice. I want to know actually like the technique 
and then I'll base everything else off of that technique. Like I'll learn to make a soup, and then I'm like, oh, okay, so I could do so this. So now I can make all soups. Exactly. <laughs> I envy people like that. My husband's yes. kind of like that as well. And they're like, yes, I can cook. Y'all, I yesterday, I don't know what I was thinking. I can't cook. I'm going to go ahead and air that. Sarah people bakes. Have, Sarah bakes. I do like to bake, but even yes. I, I need a recipe. Yesterday, for some reason, I decided I was going to fry a chicken. Whoa. I was like, I can totally do this. A whole chicken? Well, no. Or pieces of pieces whole chicken. Of chicken. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I totally thought I could do that. I had a recipe. So I was like, people do this all the time. I can do it. I could not, in fact, do it. I set off the smoke alarm. I literally, and like, I also, I thought I could do it so fast. So I had rehearsal last night. I had to walk out of my house smoke detector still going off and drive to rehearsal. I had to call my husband and say, Jamie, I've turned <laughs> off the stove. I've moved every Like, nothing's actually on fire, but, like, there is raw chicken out on the counter and burnt <laughs> chicken also out on the counter. And I'm sorry. I left the fan on. I hope the smoke detector's gone off by the time you get home. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There are boiled potatoes in the sink. Because I also thought I was going to uh, roast potatoes. So I can't cook. I'm yeah. envious of people who are like, yes, I've studied. I can do this. I cannot. I mean, I think you kind of started at a high level there, right? I mean, I, you I, have I, as someone who has made pan-fried chicken before, I thought freshly, it, I, you started with a fairly advanced. I dish. thought it would be like no, when I sautéed tilapia. Is, no, that is like I've sautéed tilapia and it turned out fried fine. chicken is a two-day process, Sarah. Oh yeah. I have actually never fried anything because I'm so afraid of exactly what happened to you. It was horrible. How about wow, like wow. some ground beef, like horrible. in the pan? Stir I've it up. Done, so it's, I've done that, and it was I've 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 browned beef before. It was fine. I saw I've sautéed things now, and while I don't love doing it, I've done. So I was like, I can. Totally, how different could this be? Very. It also didn't help. My husband came home and he's like, Sarah, please, just really quickly, because he had seen the pan. I had done this. And he goes, what did you have the stove on? And I was like, hi. And oh, he goes, God. Sarah, no. And he's like, did you turn it down once you got I was like, no, I wanted the chicken to be cooked. And he goes, oh, Sarah, no. No, that requires a thermometer, too. And he goes, you what oil did you use? I was like, well, it said to use avocado oil. And he's like, Sarah, what were you thinking? I was like, I don't know. I don't this know. Is... I had a recipe. Vocal fam, if you go back to season one, somewhere, <laughs> there is a mysterious moment that I can never find. But if you find it in our terrible audio of season one, Ooh, there is a there is a moment where Sarah talked about chocolate chip muffins and them oh, flailing all over the oven. They, I, I accidentally, I spilled them back into the oven, in the bottom of the oven. But then, how was I going to get them out? And so I got an, I don't know why, I got an oven mitt and like a spoon or something. And I just, I decided to find it real fast. <laughs> Nobody, Did nothing you... could go wrong. And so I, like a hockey puck, like a hockey puck, I used the spoon and I just whacked them out of the oven one at a time. And they flew across my kitchen. It was great. I Good tried thing. to find that audio at some point. I'm not convinced we actually it. like. But maybe it. it didn't actually record. Anyway. It was awful. I did still eat them though, because like at that point I had like put the effort in, and they were like a little smushed. But that was all. Well, Noel, this has been anyway. one of my fa this has been one of my favorite Amazing. stories that we have ever heard on Vocal Fry. Um, well, Smith, you. your new CM coordinator. I, I, I absolutely love it. Oh. 
by the way, we didn't get the chance to talk about the um, that you were on the committee to develop the CM category for Nats. Right. So, oh. so I and we'll, we'll we'll hit on it real quick. I am uh, Dan asked me to be the coordinator, so okay. I will be the front face person because I have so much experience in pop music. I love it. <laughs> um, no, um, we worked really hard on a rubric. I brought it to some colleagues at Berkeley and they liked it so much they want to use that rubric to assess their own students at Berkeley. Amazing. Because yes. it's really hard. How do you assess a pop student? So um, yeah. I just encourage everyone to get familiar with the rubric. It's up on the Nats website. We now have a new committee to help launch it. So we're going to make Smart. some videos, walk people through. Um, and I'm here if anyone needs to reach out to me for questions because this will yeah. be my project. I'm so excited that Nats is opening its doors to pop. We presented yeah. it, um, I presented it with my colleague Wei Xu Tsai um, uh, to our southern region colleagues um, that, that by next fall we should vote to adopt or not to adopt and try to talk through the logistical elements of it and, and the financial elements of it and then also the actual adjudication elements of it sure. moving yeah. forward. One thing that I'm hoping is instead of money, money, money is opportunity. So, Which is how we tried to present it, yes. Yeah, because if you win a competition and then you win two hours in studio time or two hours working with a producer or, you know, uh, these kids need opportunity. I'm not mm -hmm. sure these kids need another $50. So, well, particularly I mean, when you just spent, like, however much to enter the competition and pay your accompanist and pay for that. Like, right. I'm, with, I'm with you. I buy that. I buy that. Like, it's nice. Always appreciate it. Never, right. never would not take it. But yeah, an opportunity. That but I mean, and Nats is such a great, huge machine. I'm sure Nats could bring in some pretty top level songwriters that are famous and do a session at these workshops and and have some pop artists come in and and do some mentoring. So I'm looking at it way more as opportunity and not financial. But we're going to walk through all that. But I'm around Absolutely. if anyone needs help with that. Thank you for that. Very cool. Um, okay, cool. Vocal fam, um, we have, this has just been delightful to me. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, it was just yogurt and granola. Wasn't fancy this morning. Yeah, it's, it's near the end of the semester. It's near the end of the semester. Um, anyway, vocal fam, Noelle Smith, find her book, Teach Voice, Make Money, either on her website, which is noellevoicestudio.com, or on Amazon. if you search for it on Amazon. Um, and Noelle, this has been an absolute delight for me. Mm -hmm. So thank you for coming on and joining us. Thank you yes. for having me. But more than that, thank you for doing these podcasts because teachers like me would not be as good without you guys. So keep mm. it up. It's great. That's very Thanks. sweet. Thank you. All right. Bye. That's it for us, Vocal Fan. Peace out. Bye. We, we out. Bye.